0: This is Beta Cell, a show about people living with type 1 diabetes. I'm Craig Steuben. Most of the conversations about type 1 diabetes are pretty pessimistic. We talk about how hard it is to count carbs accurately, the social stigmas, long term complications. And, as I had to deal with last weekend, trying to keep your blood sugars in range while you have the flu. And yes, before you ask, I do get my flu shot every year, and you should too, whether or not you have type 1. I was first introduced to Trevor in a YouTube video a friend shared with me. I was diagnosed with diabetes
1: probably like two years ago, Um, and I've I used to describe myself as a professional diabetic, except the problem with that is I haven't figured out a way to get paid yet, Um, so until I do that, I like to call myself a diabetes evangelist, because I would recommend type 1 diabetes to anyone, and I'll get to
0: that in a second. Trevor was 16 years old when he recorded that, and today he's a senior studying cognitive science at the University of Michigan. What fascinated me most about Trevor is that he focuses on the positive aspects of type 1, the ways in which living with this disease has helped him grow as a person. So for this episode, we're doing something a little different. We're going to use cognitive science to look at how we can systematically change our negative feelings towards type 1 diabetes. We'll talk about how to get better control by changing your habits, making your care feel rewarding, and why there's no such thing as a bad blood sugar. You call yourself the diabetes evangelist. Do you want to explain what that means?
1: When I came up with it, it was sort of a joke, uh, and it refers to the fact that I would often go around saying I recommend diabetes to everyone for various reasons. Uh, It became like a running joke in my friend group and so forth that if somebody was having almost any problem in their life, I would come up with a way that diabetes would help them with that problem. So some classic examples being like, food and exercise and so on, people would say, oh man, I wish I could just get myself to eat better. And then I would say, dude, you should totally get diabetes. It'll like force you to get right on your diet.
0: Do you still feel the same way about diabetes? That it's something everyone should get or try?
1: I'm not as hyped about it anymore, to be honest, but I still think it's been an overall positive thing in my life. I think it's lent me a lot of discipline, a fair amount of self-confidence, and it has had some acute impacts on like the way I go about eating and exercising and so on. I don't think that everyone should get it. I feel like the lessons that I learned from it could be learned in easier ways. But I definitely think if you do have it, you should figure out all the opportunities that it might have to like make you a better person, which sounds cheesy, but I think it's true.
0: So besides being more conscious about what you're eating and exercising, what are some of the other ways that diabetes has helped you grow?
1: Socially, it does force you to be able to handle weird conversations and weird situations. Um, so I think I've been like better equipped to deal with strangers, partly because of diabetes. I'm like a very introverted person. I have social anxiety, and I feel like diabetes has been one of the ways for me to realize it's okay to sort of start a random conversation or make a stranger perplexed. Like That's not something that you have to feel bad about.
0: How did you... I guess, get comfortable with type 1 diabetes.
1: I think as far as the stigma goes, I want to say it started right away because I don't remember even having a concept that it could be embarrassing until sort of later on when I started meeting other people with diabetes, but I'd never considered it something wrong with me uh, or, you know, something that I should hide from other people. I'd had asthma and eczema and a couple of other like uh, autoimmune diseases. And since getting diagnosed with diabetes, I've also been diagnosed with celiac disease. But before then it was just like, You know, whatever medical conditions you have, you deal with them. And anyone who asks questions, you explain it to them. It's just some other part of my personality. I would always check my blood sugar at the table or in the middle of whatever we were doing. And usually it started a conversation, but I was fine with that.
0: If I go up to someone who's recently diagnosed and I say, what do you think about type 1 diabetes? They're going to probably say, it's a pain in the ass. How would you get them to look at it differently?
1: Oftentimes people will talk to me about what do I do with diabetes that they can potentially do as well? And that's not to say I'm better at managing my sugars than anybody else. I don't think I necessarily am. I think I have a decent handle on it, but I'm no, no expert in that area, but I am pretty good at staying positive about it. And sometimes I feel like I cheated because I just got off to this positive start. Like I looked at it in a good way from day one. And I just never really changed that very much. Uh, Like the worst thing I do is ignore my feelings related to diabetes. So sometimes it's hard for me to see somebody that's really struggling with it and say, like, how do you get out of that? Because the best way, obviously, is to not get so down on it in the first place. I feel like it's often harder to cheer yourself up than it is to just keep an even keel. I think it would definitely depend on the person, but if I was just giving general advice, I would sort of say, this is something that you're going to have no matter what. So from a practical standpoint, you have to make a choice as to how you're going to deal with it. You can't just let it run its course. So, I think the best thing to do is just to choose to deal with it in a positive way, which is not to say choose to have positive thoughts about it, that's almost impossible. Rather, it means like systematically changing the way that you implement your sort of diabetes action plan to the point where rather than feeling annoyed by any step you do, that's sort of overshadowed by a sense of pride in doing something well and making yourself healthier and getting to the point where Your daily interactions with diabetes don't have the sting of like, this is something I have to do in the way that like flossing still does for me, but rather has the sense of I did something good in in the way that like exercising does for me. There's a lot of people that exercise and like they see it as a chore, but if you get good at it and do it long enough um, and approach it in a certain way, you can slowly change the way you interface with it to the point that you see it as a good thing.
0: And I realize this is really
1: generic. I can get more detailed if you want.
0: If you were to get more specific, I'm I'm just curious as what that would be.
1: I think the first thing that's important is you're going to have to get your numbers in front of you, like figure out your A1C your general blood sugars and see what are you currently doing with diabetes? Like what do your current habits look like? And then sort of changing them systematically figuring out what is causing you the most consternation with diabetes. Like, are you most upset when you have lows during exercise? Or like, are you most upset when you have to wake up during the night? Like what aspect, what things that happen to you on a a fairly regular basis are causing you to hate diabetes the most? And then figure out one of those and identify a way that you can sort of habitually make that better. So, I don't know. For me, I tend to get high blood sugar, like late at night, a fair amount, but and I I have a suspicion that there are a lot of things that a lot of people with diabetes run into where it's like this happens to me and I kind of know what I need to do to deal with it but sometimes I just don't do it as well as I could so if I were going to go through this myself what I would do is like make sure that I was really diligent for maybe like 30 days on giving myself Lantus at the same time every day that's the long-acting insulin I use uh, so that I don't get that high before bed and I would set up like accountability systems to do this I would find somebody else that had diabetes and like make a bet with them to see who could be more consistent in this one thing that we're trying to change and i will hopefully get to the point where giving myself lantis is something that i not only do automatically at the same time every night after doing it religiously for a certain period of time but also something that i associate the sort of positive reward with like i'm giving myself lantis like I'm, i'm taking control i'm doing something good here and i would make sure to even sometimes out loud like congratulate myself for sticking with this and that is sort of a way that you would change an individual habit with how you approach diabetes and it would simultaneously change your numbers, make them better and also change your attitude. And hopefully you can go through and systematize the way you approach diabetes holistically, keeping your attitudes in mind so that you can deal with it in a more positive way.
0: There's a very obvious cause and effect. And because you manage diabetes yourself, when the effect doesn't turn out the right way, you sort of blame yourself as the cause.
1: Yeah, and it's, it's really hard not to do that. If I forget to give myself Lantus, for instance, the ideal situation would be to say, oh, oh well, forgot my Lantus, hopefully I'll do it better tomorrow, and just refocusing rather than beating yourself up, because all beating yourself up does with any mistake you make in diabetes is just like increase the association of negative emotion to the subject of diabetes.
0: Which you can't change. And so those emotions will just build up over time.
1: Yeah. And so the, the only thing to do is like to slowly replace those negative emotions with neutral or positive emotions. My ideal scenario for everyone eventually would be that diabetes doesn't feel like flossing in the sense that it's something you kind of have to do and you're okay with it, but rather it feels more like exercise does for me right now that maybe it's more challenging, but it's really rewarding and you feel better for having done it well.
0: And do you feel that way about diabetes right now?
1: I feel that way about diabetes overall. I don't think I feel that way about diabetes in the last week because I've, been, I've had more higher blood sugars in the last week. I, I think I feel more like flossing right at this moment, I would say.
0: But that's kind of the dilemma of diabetes, that what you're advocating with changing our opinions on diabetes is a very macro level, whereas... We sort of live with it in the micro day to day, blood sugar by blood sugar, each individual test. And you have to sort of realize that, okay, I just tested, I'm 240, that's a bad number, but I'm going to test myself five times a day, 365 days a year for the next, what, 60 years? So, what percentage of all of those tests is this individual one that it really doesn't matter?
1: You could even try to detach yourself from it a step further and say, like the way I treat it, one of the people on my medical team like told me um, to look at it as though there are no good and bad numbers. Your blood sugar is 80 for like two weeks. You never have a higher low. That's no better than if your blood sugar is 350, 350 and just switches back and forth. All there is is feedback from your body and actions that you can take in the future, but there's no good or bad. That's the way I like to look at it because I try to not have any negative emotion associated with it even when like it's justified because this whole thing with diabetes is all about almost tricking my brain to not get depressed about it because I know that if I do get down about it, that's the moment that I start doing worse. Any individual mistake isn't going to hurt me. The only thing that's really going to hurt me is a prevailing sense of dread that I'm never going to be good at diabetes. So that's what I'm really trying to avoid. And secondary is like trying to have good blood sugars.
0: Why is there no such thing as a bad blood sugar? You know, you know, there's a range you're supposed to be in and that's a good blood sugar. So how can you not have a bad blood sugar?
1: I don't think that the range you want to be in, I don't consider that a good blood sugar either. I just sort of consider it like this is what I'm aiming for. This is almost a bit of like mental trickery. I'm playing on myself, but I I like to look at it as if there's nothing you can do to change your number, then... There almost should be no emotional attachment to it in the sense that you, you've checked your blood sugar already. All you can do is learn from it and take the next action. Uh, and the more you ascribe negative feelings towards it, the less likely you're going to want to do well at diabetes in the future. So it's not that whether a blood sugar is objectively good or bad, it's more of practically What's the best attitude to have towards it? It's sort of a next step after the no-use-crying-over-spilled-milk platitude. It's like an actual implementation of that for diabetes. No-use-crying-over-a-low-blood-sugar.
0: I guess the reason people have these feelings about blood sugar, like if, let's say, my blood sugar is high, I can look back and say, oh, I should have given more insulin for that scoop of ice cream, and that's my bad.
1: I actually noticed this in the way that you were talking uh, earlier on in our conversation. Part of the difference between the way I think about it and and maybe other people might be the amount of random chance that in my head I assign to it. Uh, so, if you'll permit me to take a step back and talk about a, a psychological concept and then move back in just for for a second. Interestingly, in in studies, it's very replicable. When you're driving, if you do something that's against the rules of the road, you attribute it most of the time to a random event. Like, oh, I just didn't see him in my mirror or my phone went off. Something else happened that wasn't really in my control and that's why I disobeyed the rules of the road there. But for the most part, if somebody else disobeys the rules of the road, you like think it's because they're a bad driver. You know, You're like, why did you cut me off? You're a jerk. And part of that is just because we're bad at figuring out how much random chance influences something and how much the actions of people influence the outcome. And I think it's an open question, if you have a low blood sugar, how much of it was just bad luck? You know, you got a scoop of ice cream that happened to be more sugary, or you misread something on the label that just sometimes you're going to mix up numbers. So many variables going on with the managing of diabetes that the way I look at it is, All I can do is like do my best to control as much as I can. But the actual results I get are they're so influenced by randomness that me having a low blood sugar sometimes isn't my fault. And me having a perfect blood sugar sometimes isn't because of something great I did. It just happened to be I did my best and it happened to work out or it happened to not work out. How can I do my best better? Like I'll always try to learn more about that. But every individual result, there's so much chance in it that I can't really blame myself for for a given blood sugar. That's the way I kind of look at it. I don't know if that's true, but I think it's a healthier attitude to have.
0: It makes sense. I mean, even when I was uh, traveling and I had a breakfast buffet at a hotel and, you know, three hours later, my blood sugar was perfect. Like I could look at my continuous glucose monitor and I could see as my blood sugar went up as I started eating and as the insulin kicked in, it came right back down to the hundreds and was perfect. And... I could sort of give myself a pat on the back and say, good job, Craig. Like, you nailed that. When deep down, I know that it was a random guess. Like, maybe not completely random. I looked and I made an educated guess. But who knows how much orange juice was actually in that glass of orange juice. Who knows how many carbs was in that pastry. And I just sort of guessed and it turned out all right. And even like, who knows how much... The amount you walked that day
1: during traveling and the amount of sleep you got, like how that impacted your blood sugar, like it's just impossible
0: to calculate. Or how the insulin was just getting absorbed into wherever I was wearing my pump that day.
1: <laughs> I will say like don't use this as an excuse to like take away the good feeling of, do- of managing your blood sugar well, uh, but more use it as a way to like – let go of the negative blood sugars and just try to um you know do better in the future. I hope nobody listens to this and goes like even my good blood sugars like weren't because of me.
0: So I was going to ask you a question about this comic book you worked on. Oh yeah. Do you want to tell me what this comic book's all about?
1: The comic book's called Insu Man. I worked with an art student at the University of Michigan as well. Um this was a project. I was a I was a research assistant. This was sort of a project I came up with um, for the endocrinologist I was working with, and the idea was. This person with diabetes, they're newly diagnosed with it, and then they sort of go through their first day of school uh, having diabetes. And the same thing happens in both stories as far as they end up, uh, like, getting high blood sugar in both stories, and then they have to, like, try to, you know, play basketball and see how it's going to affect their exercise and everything. But the only difference in the two stories is the way the characters react. And at the end, it's like meant to show that, you know, you're going to run into setbacks no matter what you do with diabetes. But oftentimes the the thing that can make the difference in how you deal with it in the future is how much you allow yourself to get down on it versus how much you allow it to sort of push
0: you. I guess explain to me how this idea came about. We were trying
1: to optimize the experience of like coming into the endocrinology clinic and... We're looking at all levels of it, like what are people doing in the waiting room, like how, what are, what's the actual procedure um, for a patient to patient visit, and it was really cool. I got to follow Dr. Joyce Lee, is her name. Uh, She's got some really cool stuff on on the interwebs, and I was able to follow her around and see her speak to patients and everything. And this was just an area that we thought we could improve. Of like, if this is something that you get in your little like goodie bag when you're first diagnosed with diabetes. I got like the big pink panther instruction book for how to deal with everything. And they don't really tell you much about your attitudes as far as diabetes go and how you should look at it. They just tell you how to handle the technical side. And we thought this would be a cool way to improve the patient experience.
0: And you felt like that was something that was missing from your welcome to diabetes kit.
1: Yeah, I feel like it was something I got accidentally just because I had a team of like really good and really socially savvy, you know, healthcare providers. But I think I could just as easily with other uh, healthcare providers I've had experience with before. And since if they had been on my team, I don't think I would have been instilled with this attitude.
0: Beta Cell is produced, recorded and edited by me, Craig Stubing and our theme music is by Purple Glitter. You can find Beta Cell on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Beta Cell Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to BetaCell on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, or wherever you get your podcasts to get new episodes delivered automatically to you. I'm really excited to announce that BetaCell can now be found on the NPR One app. If you've never used NPR One, it's kind of like Pandora for podcasts. You follow shows you like, and it will recommend other shows based on your preferences. Download it today and be sure to follow Betacell. I'm Craig Steubing, and this is Betacell.